listening to In Their Own Words, our podcast series where people of faith talk about their religion. Today, Islam. I am Sugra and I am a Muslim. What does every Muslim believe in? Every Muslim believes in one God, the unseen realm, all of the prophets, so beginning with Prophet Adam, all the way to Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon them both. Every Muslim also believes in the books and in the hereafter. What is Islam's holy scripture or scriptures? And what is your favourite passage in it? Muslims believe in all of the Abrahamic texts, which include the Torah, the Psalms of David, the Bible and the Quran. And Muslims believe that the Quran is the final of those books. So as scripture, those are very key to a Muslim's understanding of their faith. In terms of a passage, well, there are lots and lots of different aspects to the Quran that really appeal to me. But after a bit of a think, the verse that means a lot to me goes like this. Your Lord has decreed upon himself mercy. And in Arabic, that is said as Kataba Rabbukum ala nafsihi rahma. And this is really powerful for me for a couple of reasons. God is telling me in very, very clear terms that he, the creator, and for me, the master of all that is, has without any shadow of a doubt made it compulsory for himself to be merciful towards us. So there can be no greater being that decrees something as powerful as mercy. And mercy includes love and affection, respect, forgiveness, all of the things that many of us as human beings seek. So when I feel low, I feel upset or even anguish over something in my life, quite often that's to do with my well-being or my happiness or my loved ones. I know that God's being the most merciful and will see me through that difficulty, that challenge. So when I pray to him and ask him for forgiveness or his help, because of the words in the Quran, your Lord has decreed upon himself mercy, I know that he won't forsake me. I know that instead he will hold me close, he will protect me, and this gives me a real sense of comfort and hope. Tell us about some important Muslim customs and festivals. For instance, what is your favourite custom and your favourite festival? Muslims across the world have some key dates in the calendar, as it were. One of them is the month of Ramadan. Ramadan is uh, 30 days, so a whole month. It's a time when Muslims invest in a spiritual detox, so they try and do away with all their bad habits and inculcate lots and lots of good things, like prayer and charity and helping other people, making people happy. So this is a very special time for Muslims all around the world. Ramadan is followed the very next day by something called Eid al-Fitr, which is a celebration of the completion of Ramadan. And Muslims, many festivals, they'll wear nice clothes, they'll have nice food to eat. Again, it's very, very important to think about the poor, other people who can't afford to do that. And whether that's your neighbour or somebody in another country, it's, it's an obligation to help them in a sense. And the other key date is the second Eid, which is Eid al-Adha. I used to always enjoy talking about how we have two Christmases and Christmas when I was at school. So our second Christmas, as it were, is Eid al-Adha, which is a celebration 
of the actions of Prophet Abraham, peace be upon him, when he was tested by God in Mecca. So uh, we have Ramadan, we have the two Eids. Some Muslims also celebrate the Prophet Muhammad's birthday, peace be upon him. So Muslims celebrating Prophet Muhammad's birthday would come from all sorts of different parts of the world. But not all Muslims would celebrate that. A lot of people would. Many Muslims will also commemorate the time of Muharram. Muharram is considered a very special time, not necessarily as a celebration, but as a time of remembrance. So various key events occurred in the month of Muharram. And it's because of those events that Muslims all around the world of various different backgrounds will really sit and reflect and remind themselves of those events and try and sort of not just remember, but maybe learn something from that in memory of the people who gave up their lives for Islam. There are customs that can vary across the world, and these will come from all sorts of different cultures and contexts because Muslims are all around the world in different parts of the world. So as British Muslims contextualize their religion with their time and space, so will American Muslims, Norwegian, Russian, Indonesian, African, and so on. So this means that there are different ways of celebrating and remembering special occasions. My favourite is any time that I am with people or in places that remind me of how beautiful God is and must be to have given me this amazing world and to sort of sometimes be reminded consciously of the amazing world around you is a little gift and also that he's put some wonderful people in that world and has, I guess, blessed me in a way because I'm able to share my life with them in some way, shape or form. So often Muslims will reflect upon that sort of aspect of their faith during the month of Ramadan, but they're encouraged to do it sort of throughout the year. What are some symbols of Islam? And is there a way to recognise a Muslim in the street? That's a really good question. Theologically, there are no symbols in Islam. In the way that some faiths might have something to worship, as it were, in Islam, that isn't the case. There is a strong focus on worshipping and believing in something that you actually cannot see with your senses. And there is something special about that. But as Muslims around the world sort of think about Islam, they have developed symbols and they do sort of tend to place some emphasis, some respect on certain things. So, for example, the Kaaba, which is in Mecca, which is considered the holiest place for Muslims, and Muslims go there to perform a pilgrimage, because of its sanctity and its strong importance in the faith of Islam, Muslims might often have sort of a little miniature Kaaba in their house or maybe even one in their car or something like that. Also, often in some Muslim households, you will see decorative frames with the word Allah, which is the Arabic word for God, and the name Muhammad, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. These two frames and sometimes other names also, so maybe the caliphs that came after Muhammad, they will be on display as a decorative piece in somebody's house. We also have the um, crescent and star symbol, which is often used on buildings or in books or in any kind of sort of visible material to denote that this is something to do with Islam or this is a, a Muslim place of worship. So in that sense, Symbols have developed over time, but they're not necessarily seen as theological symbols. And that's a very important point. When and where do you worship and who leads that worship? I often worship wherever I am. As somebody who travels, who 
works full time, I think it's really important to feel at ease with your faith and therefore be able to worship wherever is appropriate. So, for example, I don't wait to find a mosque in order to go and perform my prayer or to even talk to God to communicate with him. Instead, I might be on the train. I might be at work. I might be on holiday. Wherever I might be, I carry my faith or my faith is such an intrinsic part of who I am that I feel I'm able to perform my prayers, talk to God anywhere, anytime. Many Muslims will visit a mosque, will try to attend a mosque on a regular basis in order to perform their daily prayers. But they will also pray in their homes. They will also pray, again, you know, wherever it's practical. So there is regular routine within a mosque and Muslims are encouraged to come to the mosque and many, many people do. But also Muslims don't feel that if they didn't go to a mosque, their prayer wouldn't count. They feel that they can pray anywhere. And in terms of who Muslims pray behind or follow, in a mosque situation, it will undoubtedly be the imam who will lead the prayer privately in somebody's home. If there's more than two of you, then somebody will try to lead that little congregation. So it could be your family, so mum, dad and the kids all get together and perform their prayers or sit down and communicate with God. But generally, it's a very independent thing that people can do also. What does it mean to you personally to be a Muslim? I guess in many ways, religion, and in this case Islam, acts as an anchor for me and almost like a roadmap to my time in this world, my life. An anchor in the sense that when things become sort of challenging, I feel a sense of rootedness. And even in my day-to-day sort of sense of being, I feel a sense of connection, rootedness to something that I believe is the creator of all that is. And that's quite a powerful thing. And a roadmap in the sense that when I come to a fork in the road, or usually several forks at the same time, but when I come to a point in my life where I'm confused or really don't know what on earth to do, I know that I can rely on him, rely on God to guide me. And sometimes that works really easily. And at other times it's much more complicated and it takes a longer period of time. But I always feel that sense of ease, if you like, that he is listening, he's right next to me and he's with me wherever I go. And that in itself acts as a reassurance. And I think in life it's really important to have something, whatever it might be for people, but to have something that they can lean on and they can rely on in the same way. So it's... Guidance, really, I think. What do you think is the most common misconception about Islam? I'm tempted to say that often when people outside of the Muslim community think about Islam, many will think of Islam as a religion of the Arab world or the Middle East. Some will see Islam as a threat to their well-being, to their sense of values, to their own personal sort of way of life. So I don't think Islam is seen as a terribly good thing in the world. And that's a bit of a shame for me, because one, Muslims exist all around the world. And it's the second largest religion in the world. So you can imagine how diverse a community or a set of communities there might be. So Muslims come 
all the way from the Western world all the way to the Eastern world and, and round back again. And right here in Britain, Muslims act as a positive force in their society, getting involved in all sorts of different kind of things that help create a stronger and brighter Britain for tomorrow. Also, I guess Christians and other faiths in the Arab world, in the Middle East, would be quite offended to think that we assume that everybody in the Middle East or is Muslim, and I can appreciate that very much so. And then the other thing is about Islam being people thinking or feeling that Islam is a threat to their way of life. And I can understand that given the world that we're living in today. It's very tough to differentiate between the information that comes through the public domain, so whether it's through sort of media or which, whatever outlet, and knowing a Muslim for yourself. And I think that's the key. Knowing a person who belongs to that faith community often helps you to understand that perhaps the assumption or the stereotype that I might have may not be correct. And that's a really difficult thing to do in this day and age because we have very busy lives. And how many of us really take the time to get to know somebody for whatever reason, you know, even our neighbours? So it's a really tough ask. But I think that the misconceptions will hopefully one day sort of disappear and will be replaced with really wonderful things about Islam. And, and Muslims will be much more confident in being who they are as a result of that. What does Islam share with other religions, do you think? I guess the the obvious thing to say there is that Islam shares a very strong tradition with the Abrahamic communities. So those religions that stem from the Prophet Abraham's teachings and traditions as guided by God. It's almost like a trajectory. Muslims look back on their faith and they see key characters or prophets like Moses and Jesus and you know Muhammad and lots and lots of other prophets in between those and of course Abraham himself peace be upon them all and they reflect upon the stories so you'd hear stories about Abraham's life the life of Moses the challenges that Moses had and they can feel a connection with all of those stories because they feel that those prophets and their lives are very much a part of who Muslims are today and how they understand their theology. So in a sense, it's a very, very long tradition and a close connection to their Christian and Jewish brothers and sisters. Also, there's a shared history with other faiths outside of the Abrahamic traditions. And given that Islam, as we know it today, with the advent of Prophet Muhammad, is only just over 1400 years old. Muslims today, their ancestors would have been some other faith or some something else before that. So there's a lot of cross-pollination, if you like, between Muslim communities today and, say, for example, faiths such as Hinduism, Sikhism, Jainism, Buddhism, and so on. Because a lot of Muslims in Britain, for example, came from the Indian subcontinent once upon a time. And there they would very much sort of those faiths and cultures would cross-pollinate in some way. So they would learn things from each other that they liked. So there's a very strong history there. And then there are other things like values that I think lots of people, people of faith and no faith, hold very dear to themselves. And that's living an upright life, you know, being a righteous person, being a good person, someone who helps to make the world a better place. And these are shared by human beings, good human beings. So I think in that sense, there's something very special that binds us all together.